Good eye from Saturday in Melbourne. I'm Ben Rothenberg on No Challenges remaining here with our intrepid Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent, Tumani Carriol. Tumani, talk about things that have happened in week one of the tournament as Ika Svantec walks by behind you. We are here after round three is wrapping up, basically a re- week one wrap show. What have been your sort of big picture impressions before we get into details about what the first week has felt like here? It has felt like, for, for the first time, draws on the men's and women's that are both quite open, which is a, a different feeling. Without Djokovic, obviously Djokovic not being in the men's draw changes it a lot. Um, but at the same time, like the, the players in the men's draw, the players that you'd, you'd expect to be at the forefront have all like continued to, um, to perform and, you know, to be the, the favourite still. So I just think it's worth mentioning Djokovic briefly at the top. Obviously, this was such a predominating story for the first half of the month, really. But I do think that because of the timing of the decision, the tournament was able to make a pretty clean break from the story. I mean, really, there, I don't think there was a significant, for like us personally, just in terms of our energy levels, yes, and there was a Djokovic hangover on some level, but I don't think more widely for the players, certainly, and for the competition. I haven't sensed it really being a predominant storyline. Like, the number of sort of, you know, other media requests I'm getting to do to talk about stuff dropped off precipitously, and we saw, like, was there any going to be any juice in the story coming in where people keep talking about it? Like, players were over it quickly. I think media was probably over it quickly on some level. Yes, Mimir Kekmanovic is still in the draw and ties to, made, has a quote that's gotten used about wanting to avenge Djokovic here, uh, obviously Serbian, and he's in the top of the line of the draw, so it made it a more convenient story. But no, I think that it's been pretty... We've, I think we've really, as a tournament, not that I usually have the tournament, but has turned a page. That is to say, not what Craig Tiley said about, well, we've addressed this and moved on. That's complete nonsense. Yeah. Not Tennis Australia. There's still questions. But I think from a pure, what we're here to do for these two weeks, I think, and the world has moved on. Yeah. I'd, I'd say it's, it's despite the timing of, of what happened, because it was the eve of the tournament that it finally got resolved. Um, and, and I'd, I'd just say... Um, but he was out of the country before the tournament started. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, yeah, it, I mean, it, but it was just a close close thing, close run thing. But um, also, yeah, in regards to the players, like, you know, on, during the media day, they were kind of asked about it and, and spoke about it. But as soon as the tournament began, yeah, you know, it's clear that no, almost nobody wanted to speak about it. They were, they were over it and they, they made it clear despite some attempts. You know, this is, for example... Naomi Osaka, her response, and just, you know, and, and, and yeah, I think it just kind of, again, shows that there's no tennis tournament is, you know, no, no tennis star is bigger than one tournament, you know, we're talking, we're talking about the men's, we're talking about the men's draw, we're talking about people here, even though Djokovic and, and Federer aren't here, we're, to, we're talking about the women, even though, regrettably, Serena isn't here, you know, it, yeah. No, you're completely right, and that's been a thing. I, I remember really feeling that most firmly the year 2014 U.S. Open when there was the Chilich Nishikori final, and it was on a Monday at the U.S. Open, and yet it was still full. People still showed up because it was still the U.S. Open final. Yeah. It didn't matter that it was two much less known guys than the Federer Djokovic it could have been. These tournaments will endure, and it all said that very, very bluntly. And, yeah, so there we are. So here um, we are with an enduring tournament. And... and don't listen to Craig Tiley or anyone who says that they think Australian Open's at risk of dying because oh of one, one person not playing. No, absolutely not. Craig Tiley should not be trusted, bluntly. 
um, well, many things related to his tournament, uh, or should be taken with a, with a shaker of salt, let's say. Speaking of none of that, well, we mentioned Naomi Osaka. Let's talk with Naomi Osaka. Let's do some individual player stories here. Naomi Osaka was in the draw, uh, played her first match against Osorio, Camilla Osorio, won in straights, then had a fun one against Madison Brengel, who's a, uh, who finally hit a winner midway through the second set and poured on four, three more exorbitant four winners from Madison Brengel in, in this <laughs> match. She loses, uh, played, played, competed well uh, in that match. And then uh, Osaka played a big match against Amanda Inisimova in the third round on Marco Quartarino last night. Uh, very, very close match. Osaka had two match points late in the third set, could not convert them on Inisimova's serve. And then they played a super tie break at 6-all here. Inisimova got off to a big lead and held on to it, won the super tie break. Um, advances. We do not get the Osaka Bardi fourth round that people had have wanted. Heartbreaking, as you say. Not visibly heartbreaking, at least. Unpressed for Osaka, who was, had it seemed to have a very good perspective on things, and that was a big question. So much of her issues in 2021 were how to, were about how losses affected her in various ways, in press or without that. What did you What did you make of her whole week here, and what you saw from Osaka on court, on court and off? I mean, first of all, I'd say it. it it gave me great joy for her to say that when she was coming up on the U.S. you know circuit, Madison Brengel was a notorious player yeah. <laughs> that everyone talks about, which is great as it should be. But in regards to her week, I mean, f- from since she arrived in Melbourne, the first week of the year, she's been saying that she wants to, you know, talking about having a different perspective after her break and how she wants to enjoy tennis and you know blah 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 and. You know, this was finally seeing it in action, and you know, she in, in her her match she played, you know, well enough to reach the third round, and she didn't play a, a bad match against Anisimova. Um, she could have played much better, like she didn't return well, but she was also just kind of outplayed, which you don't see often. Like Anisimova had almost that, was good. Yeah, she was a, 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 extremely good, and, and throughout like the third set, Osaka was kind of just hanging on because of her serve, whereas Anisimova was dominating and rushing her you never see her like that um, and obviously that has as she kind of intimated while kind of not wanting to admit to it like that it's done partly down to matches and all of that stuff and the fact that she hasn't been playing regularly on the tour but for, you know from a tennis perspective it's it's fine and, and more importantly you know we saw in her post-match press conference that you know she like from what we saw she seemed to handle it well and to you know just to you know her, her perspective. She, you know she, I don't know. She, she was just able to keep perspective and and you know focus on the fact that she tried her best and you know all, all that she wanted. She said she how she wanted to handle things after this match is seemed to be how she did handle it. Yeah, and it was one of those things that I hadn't I thought about as being sort of a big question for her coming out of this hiatus that she took from tour and this sabbatical, whatever you want to call it, is how she was being prepared to lose. And I sort of hinted at it a bit in my question after the match. Like, did you think about how what it was going to be like when you lost, when you came back? Because that was so much of the issue. Um, and she didn't, I don't know if she totally addressed, like, if she prepared to lose or thought about what losing would be like. But she was clearly, in this moment, in a headspace to keep things in context and perspective. And that was positive to see. And that's one of the things you can't judge until it happens. Because it's very well and good to say results don't matter until you get a result. When you're getting results you like. You know, when it becomes an adverse result for you. Then it's tougher. Yeah. So, so I was I was heartened by that, yeah. and, and and hope and hope, you know I'm not sure when we'll see her next on tour. I hope that she plays something. Yeah. I'd like to see her play shit, even like a 
like a St. Petersburg or something, like something just to add on matches. I think, I think that's a bit delusional, but oh, completely, completely. <laughs> but you know like, what I mean? But like yeah, yeah, to, to, play, to be a full-time player, yeah, yeah. because her she's with him. It's kind of been undercovered a bit in this whole story of her loss. Her ranking is going to plummet. Yeah. So she's going to need points. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And also, so, also another thing is that in that press conference, she she dropped a lot of like self-aware gems, which I wasn't even prepared for. You know, whether it was you know when she talked about. As she like suggested pre- earlier in the tournament, that players kind of play her harder and better than you know maybe other players, which very I mean, Serena. Yeah, it's very extremely Serena, but less in a like a, and more in just a, like an aware way, and like that's how it is. And also like w- w- one thing I really liked was sh- she talked about losing to Anissa over and how it. I don't I forget like her phrasing, but like she understood that her losing given like the platform and prominence she has actually kind of has a positive effect because it gives more attention stars yeah this was this was a big humble brag from osaka but you're i mean there are the photos of layla fernandez at the met gala to prove this theory you know so she's not wrong i wouldn't have i didn't i wasn't ready for her to say it like that you know uh speaking of a star who was created at that u.s open uh, last year Emma Raducanu came here, her, her, only her third Grand Slam appearance uh, after fourth-round Wimbledon winning U.S. Open. She loses second round here to Dr. Kovinic after beating Sloane Stephens in the first round. Uh, an incredible first set, especially in that match, where she just came out, absolutely blew the doors off Stephens early, and then had a very decisive, a closer uh, third set as well in that match, her first ever Grand Slam third set. This match, can you explain what happened in this match with uh, Raducanu's blisters and her... You know, a lot of times, Courtney especially loves the comparisons between Raducanu's form and Lina. But she was showing a bit more of her Romanian heritage in this match and a bit of Nicolescuing yeah. about. Uh, what was Emma Raducanu doing and, and what do you think this whole result means for her? Yeah, you know, on, on one hand, she, to explain, she had a blister on her right hand, like on like the ring finger, I guess, of the right hand. And it just affected how she hit forehands and also served. So, you know, after about five games she couldn't really hit drive through forehand so she spent the match slicing them and I think it was you know on one hand it's obviously extremely disappointing for this to happen at a slam for any player blah 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 but but she handled herself well you know she fought she you know she I, I asked her about a, a while ago I can't remember but about slicing and she was like I, I even though like when she hit slices they're good like she has that feel she said, I never practiced them. So it was just cra- kind of crazy to see her just bring that out in a, in a match and for it to be effective for a set, you know, and just to see her fight. And so, so in the end, like, it's a disappoint- disappointing what happened, but I think she left it feeling like she'd given everything and that she'd learn a bit more about herself. And, you know, at this point when she's, as you said, this is her third slam, you know, the, inex- the, level, like, the inexperience is just... Hard to believe. She it. still has not played a top ten opponent. Yeah, <laughs> and it, the whole, yeah, it, it's crazy. So, just I think the important thing is that week by week she's at least learning something and learning a bit more about herself and learning a bit more about how she plays the best players in the world. Because you know, even even forgetting about top ten players, like she's barely played top. You know, like players who play on the WTA tour. Yeah, like, that it's it's. it's yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around. So I think, like, as long as there, there's a sense that she's gaining something each week, then it's a great week. So 
Yeah. And not a great. Well, not. I mean. No, she's. Not, it, sh- it should all be a learning experience here. Yeah. It's someone. You know, it's just she's doing things completely out of order in her completely. career, and it's gonna be wild. And Sloan was talking about that afterwards. And it's very sort of interesting press conference that got completely mischaracterized in some media um, as being overly bitchy. It wasn't. It was more just generally like amused, I think, by the whole thing and and knowing. I think is how I would describe it more yeah. than more, I do, than, the, more yeah. than the cattiness it was portrayed I, as. I do think like Sloan was also like, you like yeah, she, she kind of as, as you like su- suggested like she kind of rolled her eyes at Raducanu's um, the cheering, the exuberant cheering, but also but in a way that like she. She, she got it. Yeah, she she gets, she gets it. it, and she knows that like, eventually, you know, she'll learn and you know she'll grow and she'll go on the journey that, you know, I'm sure like Sloane also would probably look at the video of her being like so disrespectful yeah. and and think the same, you know. So yeah, um, I think she was pretty constructive and said a lot of the same things that other people say. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple more people I want to talk about on the women's side first before we go to the men. Sort of chaos candidate of this tournament, uh, whose combination of charisma and chaos I think makes for great pick for Netflix in their casting so far. Arena Sabalenka, um, who's hitting spates, truckloads of double faults, yet surviving into the fourth round. Only hit 10 today in her third round match after hitting 19 in the second round and 12 in the first round. Hit bunches of double faults and double digits uh, in both her Adelaide matches and also her last couple Guadalajara matches as well. It's been an issue for her, but she's she's around. I'm not sure how much more I have to say about that for her, except for I just I really appreciate her her embracing it and her positivity about it and, and being able to make make fun of herself for it. I think I just find her whole sort of her energy on it, um, yeah, really really laudable in this yeah. in this shitty situation because we've had this before. With players, whether it's Kornikova, famously, you know, before we were on tour, obviously, but who was having this? Uh, you know, Zverev went through this. Pavlyuchenkova went through this. A few different people have gone through this in their careers. Uh, but the way that the way that she's doing it, I think yeah. it's just it's just nice. And, and I say like it's impressive to see like the actual me- mentality shift because like a, a week ago she was, you know, her serve was a, a disaster, and and she like tried to resort to like underarm serves, which was yeah. just <laughs> completely bizarre to see a world number two do that but but clearly like at the beginning of this tournament she just resolved to power through to, to focus on the all the other things in her game that do work well and that's kind of worked for her even you know when her serve you know she hit in her first in the first round i think she hit six double forts in the opening game and then three in the second <laughs> but she just and she lost the set six one but she kept on going and yeah. She's still in the tournament. Storm Sanders could have won that match. Yeah. Storm Sanders was up a set and a break and had chances to like put it away. And just and obviously have me, not having anywhere near the experience of doing that kind of thing, beating a number two on Rod Laver Arena. Uh, couldn't get the job done, but had, you know, Sabalenka was vulnerable for sure. And uh, maybe now she'll finally play her way into, into form of some kind. A couple other people I just want to briefly mention. I am very impressed still by the ability to back up the results from 2021 of a lot of different players who are still in this tournament. Two people who have really been low-key, just so solid uh, since their slam wins. Iga Svantec, mm-hmm. who's now made it uh, to the second week of the slam for the sixth slam in a row. Only player in WTA to do that right now. And also we have uh, Barbara Krejcikova, who's on a similar streak, uh, started a little later, but has made it now four slams in a row to the second week. Uh, and both just rolling and just seeing them back up these out-of-nowhere results, I just find really, really heartening because there was no reason to think for either of them that it would be this easy. And Courtney said this on Twitter, and I agree with it too. Like, if you're going to, like, 
drag people for flopping after, quote unquote, flopping after winning a slam and, and then losing early. You should also take the time to yeah. praise people who don't do that because that's much rarer yeah. in some ways. And, and I'd, I'd say also that like they're kind of impressive and remarkable in their own way. Like from Kvyatkova, it's that she spent her entire career outside of the top 100 until recently, and you know she made this huge just jump to being a Grand Slam champion and has just adjusted like that. Yeah. Obviously, she's a top doubles player and has, I guess, that going for her. But still, it, that that's kind of, you know, been really impressive to see. And with, with Shriantik, it's kind of that she's completely inexperienced in general. And, you know, obviously, she's an incredible talent. But to see how, you know, it's she's kind of found, like, a, a level that, you know, a, a, a kind of medium level that is able to, you know, continue to be... Con- quite consistent day to day and also to perform at the slams is again very impressive a couple of just last people to mention uh, Halep's played very very well not losing many games good to see her back and healthy uh, I think she's very much a bottom half contender to make the final potentially out of that bottom half uh, it's the weaker half of the draw for sure uh, Azarenka has also been doing well she plays Krejcikova next in an interesting fourth round um, and then my pick I'll just say to my final women's thought I, I think this is Barty's tournament. I think Barty's looked so clean. I was, we were both looking forward so much to the Barty Osaka fourth round. We don't get any Samovas. If she plays like she did in yeah. her last match, she's a real threat yeah. to anybody. But I think it's, I think it's Barty, and I have not been convinced otherwise. How about you? I agree. I, I mean, obviously, I think the big, the big question is how she handles her nerves, and you know, we know we've seen like in, in previous appearances here that has, you know, but that's clearly what will determine. Yeah. whether she wins this tournament you know now or in, in the future but like it just like to me it seems like Barty is just like this is her best fo- like uh, you know when she what kind of 2019 when she won you know Roland Garros and, and even like you know the following years I, I still was kind of was waiting to see her at her best you know at her best at her top form and it feels like she's kind of reaching it now. Yeah, I've said this before about the 2019 French Open. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we didn't shade it so much because people loved Barty. And Barty was a very popular player, but that tournament was garbage. Like, on, just on a competitive level, the tennis level of that tournament was not high. The final was really bad. The yeah. semifinal against Anissimova was a mess. She didn't have to beat anybody that big who was accomplished yeah. to get there. But then she's backed it up. But then she's stayed at number one pretty much ever since. And she's totally earned it now. But yeah, you're right. Like I think she proved a lot more. I said this last year. Honestly, even by winning like Miami 2021 was a better tie off her than the French Open. I thought, and then also winning Wimbledon, being here like this would be a big one. Obviously, the sort of home nerves. And you're right. She does have these swoons. She hits in matches where all of a sudden she'll be up and then like fail to serve it out and then like yeah. go wrong kind of. And we've seen this many times. But anyway, uh, she's still in there. And let's get to the men uh, while we wrap up this relatively short show. Briefly on this, the dominant syllable of this tournament, I don't know how exactly to describe it. Can you explain to people who don't care about Cristiano Ronaldo what C is? I mean, it's, it's, A, it's stupid. Um, yeah, I knew that. B, it's, so when, when Cristiano Ronaldo um, celebrates the many, many goals he scored, he, he does this celebration where he like, he jumps and then throws his two hands down. And yeah. then yells, see you, you know, to no one in particular. See, Can you see, even hear him when he's on the field, though? You can't hear him, but you see, the, you see his, you know, his, his lips and, and obviously, see, you know, see is just yes. Yeah. And, and he, he, he claims that it's like, 
um, it was organic and it just happened randomly. But is it but, something that in other sporting contexts people have just shattered out at random times before? I because mean, what does Cristiano Ronaldo have to do with the 2022 Australian Open? He's not new. Sue is not new. Like, what is happening it's, it's, here? It's, yeah, it's certain, like, I mean, maybe it's because I, I just don't really watch or care, but, like, I, I haven't seen it as, at many other sporting events, like football, for sure. And, like, it's, like, it's become, like, part of, like, internet lexicon, I guess. Yeah. Like, where, like, people, you know, will celebrate something and just type that with, like, 57 U's on the end. Yeah, it's just, it's not something I, I would have expected to, to happen here. It's very bizarre as well, because I, I was at, obviously I was at Murray's match, and it, initially I thought they were, like, booing, like, there were some Djokovic fans who were, like, you know, just, and, and so I thought they were booing them, and then I was, like, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell was going on, and then it kind of registered. The, the players do not enjoy it. Yeah. None of the players enjoy it. Even Kyrgios is theoretically the one who should like it. It's centered around him a bit. Like, he, does, he didn't, even doesn't seem to love it. Like, yeah. this is a general atmosphere, but there's nothing particularly appealing about the suit. It, it has sucked, and I hope it goes away quickly. Um, and maybe it has because the relevant Sue birds of, of kind of the Kyrgios. Kyrgios is out now, played pretty well against Medvedev, but still a, still a pretty clear gap. That's, that's a rough draw for him. Um, although he did come back and win the doubles with Kalkanakis against the top seeds. Kind of, I think, for me, still proving that when there are singles players who are motivated, they're going to beat the doubles guys. And the match got a little spicy. Uh, yeah, Medvedev is here as the top player left. I like Barty. I think that he is the player to beat until proven otherwise here. Certainly in the bottom half, I don't see who threatens him. And then it's just a question, I think, if he gets like a really informed Zverev or maybe Nadal um, across the net in the final. Or maybe like Berrettini. But I like him in this half a lot. Yeah. Uh, what, do, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I agree. Yeah. I, I think he's definitely the, the clear favorite. Um, but there are, like, the good thing is that there are players, you know, as you said, there are players who could step up, play, play the match of their life and, and, and make it interesting and beat him. So, yeah, I think it's good that, as I said at the beginning, like, it's, although Medvedev is the favorite, it's still open in a way that it wasn't before when the big three were there and also at the top of the game which obviously isn't no. so in the case with Rafa he's just coming back there, from injury. There are two very fully open quarters in this draw certainly the draw um, that, that Djokovic himself departed uh, late and so there was no reshuffling of the seeds and so that seven Berrettini is the highest seed in there. I think I, I expect Berrettini to make the semifinals actually assuming he stays healthy he had a bit of an ankle roll in his match against Alcaraz which was good um, that was one of the highlights of the first week, match-wise. I like Bertini to get through there. And then the other quarter, the Tsitsipas quarter, uh, Tsitsipas still has elbow issues, just not totally convincing right now. Rude was the other seed in that quarter, the other high seed in that quarter. He withdrew before his first match uh, with an ankle issue also. And, I, yeah, I think, that, I think that there could be space in there for someone like a center, like a Fritz, potentially who plays Tsitsipas next. Uh, to make some some noise, and you know, it is more open for sure. It does feel meaningfully more open than it does with the with the big four round. And Nadal is still here, but Nadal, as he will say himself, has lots of question marks about his sort of his feeling and his fitness and everything like that. Yep. And shout out to Garmin Fees for yes, that's great. You know, the way his his form has clicked back into place. He's even winning finals now. So like, kudos to him. He his draw is good. Yeah. He plays Kekmanovic next for a spot in the quarters, and he gets Berrettini, not unwinnable, and then he could get one of Nadal or Zverev, maybe, and then he's in a... All of it is just good. It's nice to see him there. You don't know how long it's going to last, but enjoy it while it does, because yeah. it's, it's been good. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just pleasing because of how well he was playing just before the pandemic and how badly that just kind of 
died. No. So it's like, cool to see him back. Another person who I enjoyed, who's already out of the tournament, um, who I hadn't gotten to see much of in person because he hasn't he hasn't been relevant at the times that I've been on tour uh, so much. Uh, Slani Karatsev is here. Mm. Uh, he, we saw him play a bit against uh, Munar in the first round on, on Kia Arena. Uh, then he just lost a long one to Manorino. But I really enjoyed just watching him. I play. I w- I've still never spoken to him in person. I would like to. These are goals I have. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed him as well. Yeah, and, and the only thing I wanted to say about him, aside from agreeing with you, is that he, I've never seen someone post on social media so late. So we're speaking on, on Saturday night, and he, he, he just posted on, on his Instagram his, his trophy picture from Sydney, <laughs> explaining to his fans how, how much of a great week he, he had in Sydney. It's like seven <laughs> days on. <laughs> he still had a great time in Sydney, he had though. A great time in Sydney, yeah. Sydney memories don't expire. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on anything uh, before we uh, wrap up here? No, let's no. take that as a no. Let's, thank you very, wrap up. thank you very much, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good eye, folks. Bye. Oh my God. I want to thank all of you for supporting the show, especially those of you on our Patreon, including our Slam Champ backers who thank every episode, who are Antonio Maycumber, Shaw Mulroy, Leah Williams, Mary Carrillo, Susanna W, Ashley Keel, James Hindle, Liz Kennel, Anna Valinder, Jonathan Weinbaum, Timothy Liu, and John Simeon and our GOAT backers, Pam Shriver and J-O-D. Next to me